powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Hallelujah! Bible's up. Let's make this faith confession together. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, we've already told you, sir, that we are open and we are ready. We yield now. Speak to us. Give us direction. Give us clarity. Give us comfort. Where we need to be, give us correction. We tell you, you are our God and we are your people. So we don't tell you how to guard us. You are not a genie in a bottle that we rub the right way. You are the God of the universe. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You're the first and the last. You are the great I am. You are our healer. You are our provider. You are our way maker. You're the God that when we didn't even know you were there, you were there. You're the God that when we felt lonely, you were there. You're the God that when we had to shed tears, you wiped them. You're the God that when we felt alone, you stepped in. You're the God that when we felt like we couldn't go any further, you gave us the, the wind that we needed to. Come on, 915, if you know who that God is, we're about to move into the message. But can you worship that God for 10 seconds? Go, 10, 9. He's the God that kept you from losing your mind in the divorce. He's the God that kept you from throwing in the towel when you got fired. He's the God that kept you from walking away. He's the God that kept you from taking your life. Hallelujah. Let's go to work. Grab a seat. We're in this series called The Sequel. Everybody say The Sequel. Because our God is the God of a sequel. Always wanting your next to be better than your previous and your present. Hear me, it doesn't even mean that your previous is bad. It just means what's next is going to be better. It doesn't even mean that your previous was bad. It just means that your next is going to be better. It doesn't mean that what's presently happening in your life is bad. It just means your next is going to be better. For everybody, watch me, where you're feeling satisfied, where you're feeling like this is as good as it gets, I need you to hear me. You still have a pulse, which means he still has a plan. This is not as good as it gets for you. Your sequel is going to blow your mind. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I need your faith to believe that thing. Say, my sequel is going to blow my mind. I've taught you in this series that you have everything you need in seed form to produce sequels. The Bible makes it very clear that the earth is governed by this principle of seed, time, and harvest, that you sow and you reap, that you sow and you get a sequel, uh, that another name for a sequel is a harvest, another name for a sequel is reaping that which you have sown. And I gave you uh, the several types of seeds, and the last seed that I taught you about was the seed of miserable moments. Pay attention. It is not a monument, it is a moment. Hear me, anytime you face something difficult, it is not going to last always. Anytime you face a challenge, it is not going to last always. 
Anytime you feel like you are going under, watch me, it is not going to last always. I remember when I was a kid, I was in a pool. Somebody threw me in the pool, and I did not know how to swim. Now, I had, watch me, I had on trunks like I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. Somebody threw me into the pool, and I remember struggling to get to the side of the pool so that I would be able, watch me, to survive. Because, listen, at that point, I had chlorine coming all in my body. I had water coming all in my body. It was just a moment. All I had to do was not give up in that moment, but make sure that I got to this place of safety. You're not listening. For some of you, watch me, do not allow this miserable moment to take you to a place, watch me, where you start making bad decisions because of a moment. Do not make a monument out of a moment. Jesus was only on that cross for a moment, but three days later, what did he do? Uh-uh, you're not listening to me. It was just a moment. And for some of you all, I came to tell you that moment is about to come to its end. I wish I had some faith in this building and some faith online. I said that moment is about to come to its end. Prophesy to somebody close to you. Touch them on the shoulder and just say that moment is about to come to its end. I don't like the way they responded after you told him that. Because when you speak something like that, they ought to put a praise behind it. Touch somebody else on the shoulder and say that moment is about to come to its end. trouble don't last all it is a miserable moment and i've shown you this scripture first corinthians 10 13 no temptation now if you grew up in church you thought this verse was always talking about sin you thought this verse was talking about drugs you thought this verse was talking about sex you thought this verse was talking about porn and and and, and while watch me there is a, a, an important principle there this verse is not talking about that this verse temptation in the greek language of our new testament temptation means trial sometimes your life can feel like you're on trial what is a trial it is where you are being interrogated you are literally, your life is asking you questions. And you ready? And you do not have the answers. For some of you, you have got a hostile attorney that is asking you questions. And your life cannot answer them. Is there anybody in the building or online? Well, there are certain areas of your life where you're like, I don't know the answer to that, 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 or that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that, 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 or that. And the truth is, watch me, I felt like I'm being badgered. You feel like a badgered witness because life is asking you questions that you do not have the answer to. Second definition, probation. Say probation. probation. When you're on probation, watch me, you are always under the supervision of another. Mm. When you are on probation, you always feel like every little thing you do gets blown up. I want to talk to somebody. When you are on probation, you, you see other people enjoying what you want to enjoy, but you are not able to enjoy yourself. You see other people getting breakthrough, and you're like, where is mine? You see other people excelling, you're like, where is mine? Watch me. Let me parenthetically insert this in here for somebody. Because you've been faithful, I need to tell you this. You got next. I, I'll talk over here. Because you've been faithful for somebody that says, where is mine? I need you to open up your mouth and say, I got next. I, I'm going to try over here. Because you've been faithful. You ain't been perfect, but what you have been is faithful. I need you to open your mouth and say, I got next. Middle section, I need you to blow this thing up. Because you've been faithful, I came to tell some of y'all, you got next. Say it. I've been on the sideline like double dutch, just waiting to get in the game. But God says, I've got all things ready. It's about to be your moment. He says, no temptation, no trial, no probation. Here's the third definition, testing. Testing is the definition of temptation. What is a test? A test means you are now being, watch me, you are being evaluated and examined based on what you've already been taught. There's nothing on the test, look at me, you do not know the answer to. There is nothing you are facing you do not know the answer to and you do not know how to handle. Pay attention, the challenge that you are having, somebody say the challenge I'm having. The challenge that you are having, watch me, is that the teacher can't talk during the test. So you can have moments where you pray and you feel like you hear nothing back. You can have moments where you can see other people get their answers and you're like, well, where is mine? You ready? You will pray for other people and see them get their answer. But then when you pray for yourself, it seems like nothing happens. I wish there were some honest people in this building and online. 
when you're being tested, the teacher cannot talk. So watch me. So when you're in a test, let me tell you how some of you know you're in a test because you feel isolated. Let me tell you you know you're in a test because you feel like, watch me, not only is the teacher not talking, you ready? But the people you would normally talk to ain't talking. Because when you're in the midst of a test, watch me, nobody in the class gets to talk. For some of you, God has silenced the people you normally call. The people you normally reach out to, watch me, you don't even feel, matter of fact, you see them calling and you let it ring. Why? Because you're in the midst of a test. And I need you to hear me, watch me, it's only a test. I'll say it again, it's only a test. And I need you to pass this test. I need you to make sure you're sitting next to somebody that wants to see you pass the test. Would you just look at them and speak life into them and say, I want to see you pass this test. I Come on, YouTube, I want to see you pass this test. Come on, Facebook, I want to see you pass this. this. Don't you lose your mind now. This is only, don't you stop worshiping now. This is only, don't you stop serving now. I wish you would. This is only a test. Trial, probation, testing. Here's the fourth definition of temptation, being tried. When you are tried, it means you are stretched in every way to the extent that you think you're about to break. Let me prove it to you. Some of you have said, watch me, you, 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 you've said this in yourself. You've said this in your mind. I don't know how much more it is. Where are the honest people at? They online. Wave at me. That's me. You, you have said in yourself, you know what? I don't know. You have said in yourself, this is too much. You have said to yourself, this, I just don't know how much more of this I can do. You have said, watch me. I want to come for those of you who have already in your head begun your exit. You ready? You are being stretched. Watch me. And that is what it means to be in a temptation. Where you are stretched in every way and you feel like I literally can't give any more. But you know what's crazy? Is you keep giving more. So what if the issue was in your mind? What if the only place it was too much was in your mind? But the reality is, is that you are well able to handle the stretching, to handle the I'm being pulled in lots of ways, but baby, I got this. You're going to talk to your neighbor a lot today because you need to speak faith into him. Just look at them and encourage them and say, you got this because God's got you. You're stretched. You're stretched. You're stretched. You're being pulled in every direction. You look at your emails and just say, I'll get to them later. You look at your text. Some of y'all got 400 unread text messages. You're like, I... If it's important, they'll call me. I'm just being stretched. You ready? Here's the next definition. Calamity. What's calamity? Everything that can go wrong, goes wrong. This is different than stretching. Because stretching means I'm being pulled. Calamity means I'm being pushed and pulled. So I get pushed forward, I get pulled back. I get pushed forward, I get pulled back. I get pushed, I get pulled. 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 I get pushed, push, push, push. I get pushed, I get pulled. Stop. Y'all acting like you're 11.15. And literally, your life, at the end of the day, when you lay down, you look back and say, what did I accomplish? And sometimes you'll feel like, Nothing. Because you got pushed and pulled. Your kids acting crazy. Your spouse is saying stuff that's. Calamity. Then the last definition is affliction. Pay attention. I taught you at the beginning of this series that affliction creates acceleration. Oh, that's me. You got pressure. You got pressure. And can I be honest with you? Most of the pressure, the only place it exists is in your mind. 
Because the truth is, it's not as tough as you say it is. It's not as tough as you sometimes feel like it is, but you can have pressure. Watch me. No temptation, no trial, no probation, no testing, no being tried, no calamity, no affliction has, look at me, overtaken you. Stop. You may feel overwhelmed, but it's just a feeling. You are not overwhelmed. You are not overtaken. Matter of fact, you didn't come to take sides. You came to take. Open your mouth and say, I am not overtaken. It says, it is not overtaken you, except this is common to man. Pay attention. Uh, but God is able. But with the temptation, say with. Now, this is important. Say it again. Say with. But with the temptation, you'll notice that's underlined on the screen. Because at the same time that a temptation happens, the same time God provides a sequel. All right? I said this last night in a message preview, um, that the Lord has to approve temptation. How do you know that, Bishop? Because in Job chapter 1, the Bible says that Satan had been walking on the earth to and fro. And as he walks on the earth, he goes and there's a meeting of what's called the sons of God. The sons of God uh, literally uh, is a Hebrew idiom that refers to the archangels. The reason Satan has an issue with you and I is because they used to have the title of the sons of God. When God made Adam, we were now the sons of God. So his issue is that we replaced him. So the reason the enemy hates you so much is because you're a son and you don't even act like it. You're a daughter and you don't even act like him. You, watch me. God says you are greater to me than my angels that were with me before you were. And I wish you would walk around like a beggar when you're the son of the most high God. I wish you would walk around acting like a beggar when you're the daughter of the most high God. They're walking around in the book of Job. Satan's walking around the book of Job. And the Lord brings up Job's name. And he says, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him? And the Lord literally has to approve. Because Satan says, well, does he worship you for nothing? He says, listen, you have a hedge of protection that you have erected around him. He says, but move that hedge, and I'll bet you he'll curse you to your face. And you know what God does? God says, temptation approved. At the same time God approves the temptation, God makes a sequel. How do you know that? Because in Job chapter 42, at the end of the book, the Bible says that Job got double for all of his trouble. So for every temptation you're in right now, I need you not to trip. Why? Because the same time God approved it, the same time he issued a sequel. Watch me. And your next is going to be way better than your present or your previous. Look at the screen. He says, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape. That's your sequel that you may be able to bear it. You are not overwhelmed. You are not overtaken. And I taught you this on Wednesday. While temptation is common to man, you're not a common man. So don't handle temptation in a common way. I'll say the verse again. While temptation is common to man, you're not a common man. So don't handle temptation in a common way. Most people, when they get stretched, they break. You, when you get stretched, you grow. Most people, when everything is going wrong, they want to shut down, lock themselves away. They want to isolate. Here's what you do. You walk in the church and say, but I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the others shall hear thereof and be glad. You ready? I said, are you ready? Somebody said, I'm not coming. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You, you said it coming. I don't even like the way you said that. Say, I'm not coming. I'm not regular. And I don't want to be. Who else could go through what you've gone through and still be in their right mind? Who else could have overcome all the statistics that were stacked against you and be dealt a bad hand? But take a bad hand and play that bad hand. Who else? If you were common, you wouldn't have been able to do what you're able to do. I need you to have a 10-second testimony service and look back over your life and see all of the times where God showed you you weren't common, where he showed you you weren't like everybody else. 
This is why you can't be friends with everybody. Why? I'm not coming like that. This is why you can't hang out with everybody. Why? I'm not coming like that. This is why you can't go to church anywhere. Why? I'm not coming like that. I got to be up under an anointing that is stretching me, that is building me. That. Say it again. I'm not coming. Say it with authority. I'm not coming. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, in other words, look over here. All things have become new. Let's break this verse down. Old things means traditions, patterns, and habits that pull you back. The Bible says these old things have passed away. When you're talking about someone that has exited the earth, sometimes you will say so-and-so. Come on, y'all. Act like you didn't, I didn't. This is right there on the screen. You, you, you will say, you will say so-and-so. Why? Because what you're really saying is they have exited the earth. They're no longer here. Look at me. If the old you has passed away, why do you keep digging them up? And I said this last night on the message preview. Some of you are corpse diggers because you will go dig up a previous version of yourself in the midst of a temptation, TikTok, Clubhouse. Some of you, you are corpse diggers where you will go dig up the way you used to handle things, the way you used to deal with things, the way you used to process information, the way you used to see yourself as a victim, the way you used to see yourself as being taken advantage. You will go dig up an old version of yourself. Do you not know that is a crime? In most jurisdictions, you cannot dig up a corpse without a permit. And normally to get that permit, you're going to need a court order to justify why you are trying to bring up something that has already exited the earth. Question, question, question. If the old you has passed away, why in the world do you keep having seances? When you get in the middle of your temptation, you pull out your Ouija board and say, I know I ain't done this in a while, but I'm, y'all not talking to me today. Well, watch me. That fearful you is dead. That victim you is dead. That insecure you is dead. That doubting you is dead. That you that saw yourself as the head or the bottom and not the top is dead. The old you is dead. And you may not be where you want to be, but you got to learn how to thank God that you're not where you I'm not only not where I used to be, I'm not who I used to be. Baby, I'm brand new. I need you to look at somebody and say, you're brand new. I, you're not who you used to be. You don't act the way you used to act. That's not you anymore. The old you would snap, crackle, and pop. But the new you goes into worship and prayer. The old you would get mad at everybody. But the new you celebrates the somebodies that are still with you. You ready? Say, I'm brand new. Old things have passed away. Dead. Behold. What does behold mean? Look over here. Some of us, you're so, you live from the rearview mirror. And it's dangerous to drive from the rearview. Now most cars have these cameras in them. I mean, even cars you wouldn't think have cameras got cameras in them. They have cameras to help you back up. The only reason you need a camera to back up is because you can't see what's behind you. So you need a camera to show you what's behind you because your attention doesn't belong on what's behind you. Your attention belongs on the windshield with what's ahead of you. What's next for you? Your sequel. What's next for you? It's going to be better in the last eight than it was in the first four. What's next for you? You're about to fulfill your assignment in the earth. What's next for you? You're about to see God use you and get the glory out of you in ways you never thought possible. All things have passed away. Behold, look over here. Stop looking at the rear view. Stop telling me what mama did. Stop telling me what daddy did. Stop telling me what people did to you. Stop telling me about how people hurt you. You think you're the only one been hurt? Stop telling me about how people doubted you. I'm glad they doubted you. Make them out to be a lie. Stop talking about how people didn't support you. Support yourself. 
Sometimes how nobody clap for you. Can I teach you what to do for you? Watch me. Let your clap be so loud you can't even tell if they clapping or not. Come on, Sunday. Let your clap be so loud. I don't need you to clap for me. I'll be like David and encourage my... I need you to take five seconds and celebrate yourself. You history maker, you. You curse breaker, you. You line crosser, you. You boundary breaker, you. You world changer, you. You curse breaker, you. Celebrate yourself. First one in your bloodline to be a seven-figure earner. First one in your bloodline to start a business. First one in your bloodline to complete college. First. Elbow somebody next to you say, celebrate you. Watch me. Watch me. So here has to be your phraseology for life. I'm not that person anymore. When you find yourself in the midst of a temptation, your response is to be, I'm not that person anymore. If you used to drink to deal with your temptation, you'd say, I'm not that person anymore. I don't need a substance in order to survive. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you this has to be your response. If you used to sleep with people to get, to, get through your temptation, you just say, I'm not that person anymore. If you used to watch me lose sleep, if the Bible says he never sleeps or slumbers, ain't no need in both of us being up. I'm going to go in and lay down and get some rest while the Lord is taking care of this situation for me. Are you listening to me, TikTok? Are you listening to me in the building? Are you listening to me, Facebook? Are you listening to me, YouTube? Are you listening on the app? Are you listening to us? There is no need, watch me, in you trying to dig up a previous version of yourself because that has passed away. And on Wednesday in the message, Waterless Places, I showed you from Luke 11 and 24, when an unclean spirit, and if you miss Wednesday, that thing was on fire. Then the unclean spirit comes out of a person. What is unclean spirit? Most people, when you hear that, you think of demons and all that. Mm, here's what it means. It means foul. It means mixed with sin or error, which means, watch me, I could have good intentions but mix it with something wrong. So you just wanted a break, but to, to get your break, you mixed it with something that, that wasn't good for you. You just wanted some friends, but to get some friends, you mixed it with something that wasn't good for you because you lowered your standard to make them feel comfortable. So you said, let me come down to them instead of making them come up to me. Because you were afraid of being called. You just a Bible thumper. Well, call me what you want to call me. You just in the Jesus. Surely. That's southern vernacular. Surely. Are you just all in that church now? Surely is. You know why? Because I've watched it give me life. You know why? I've watched it change my life. You know why I worship him like I do? Because I watched him rescue my life. You know why I praise him like I do? Because I've watched him transform my life. I, and listen, you can grow with me or you can grow over there. But what I'm not doing is coming down for you. Come down for what? He says, when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places. And, and I showed you waterless places on Wednesday night. I showed you these waterless places, these, these dry places, because water in the Bible represents the spirit. Water in the Bible represents the spirit. And watch what the scripture says. It says, when an unclean spirit, something foul, something that is mixed with sin or error, comes out of a person, it roams through what? Waterless places. So it comes through a place like this where it is dry, where it is looking for a fit because it's been with you so long, it sinks with you. Watch me. It goes through waterless places in search of a place of rest and not finding any. Watch me. It says, I will go back to my house. Come on, Amplify. The person from which I came. Pay attention. This is the reason why you can think you've dealt with something and then in your sequel, it shows back up but when it shows back up, look at the next part of the verse. Watch me. It brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go into the person and live there. And the last state is worse than the first state. Can I help you understand something? Here's how you know that you are ready for your sequel. Some, and watch me. And not just ready for it, but you're in it. So how do I know, Bishop? Because you've already overcome one thing. But that same thing is showed back up. And when it shows back up, it's stronger than it was the first time that you beat it. Is there anybody in the building or anybody online where you can look at certain areas of your life and you're like, this thing has got another level of intensity now. I've beat this before, but this one is bugging me. 
I've conquered this before, but this one is bugging me. Why? Because the first one, watch me, it brought back seven reinforcements. Because watch me, watch me. The reinforcements it brought is really an indication of your strength. You didn't need backup unless I was a bad somebody. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on. Can I tell you why your warfare has intensified? Because you already showed the devil I beat your head last time. I got you last time. I won last time. I was victorious last time. So he brought backup. But guess what? You got backup too. I said you got backup too. 9.15, I said you got backup too. In the name of Jesus, I pray you feel your backup in the spirit. I pray you feel your backup in the spirit. Open your mouth and say, I've got backup. Ah, say that thing with authority. I've got backup. So you beat one issue in your marriage. And you're like, we good. We coasting. And then that joker brings backup. And when he brings backup, you like, I can't stand you. I can't stand you either. You make me sick. I've been sick of you. No, I need you to pay attention. You, you already beat discouragement. But when it comes back, you'll find yourself in the middle of the day. While you're walking through your day, you'll feel a heaviness hit you. And you'll be like, where is this coming from? Am I talking to anybody? You can be going through your day. And watch me. You didn't even read anything. You didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. Watch. This is how you know it's spiritual. Am I talking to anybody online? I need you to wave at me. Facebook, make sure you share. YouTube, make sure you share. Watch me. Listen, out of nowhere, this thing comes with reinforcements. Out of nowhere, this thing comes with backup. Are you paying attention? And the Bible says if you do not handle that miserable moment properly, your last state or your sequel will be worse than your previous. But for you. I know you shouting a lot in church today, but the shout is a sound of victory. That is not going to be the case for you. Your next is going to be better than your present and your previous. Please lift your hands and say, my sequel is on schedule. I want to show you somebody that mishandled their miserable moment, that mishandled their miserable moment, their moment of temptation. Watch me. Somebody say Moses. Come on, let's go. So Moses was the man that God chose to deliver the children of Israel out of 430 years of bondage, out of 430 years of Egyptian slavery. And the Bible says that there was a new Pharaoh that arose that did not know Joseph. Literally what happened in Exodus was there was a coup. There was an overthrow of the government and this new Pharaoh, uh, because a Pharaoh is the dynastic position. It's a king, so it means it gets passed down from father to son, thus and so. But this new Pharaoh, he was from a whole nother regime. And he said, I don't know Joseph. Uh, I don't know Jacob. I don't know anything about you, Hebrews. The only thing I know is that I see how strong you are. And if we don't do something to try to suppress you, oppress you, reduce you, build a system that keeps our foot on your neck. If we don't do something, you might one day figure out who you are. And if you ever figure out who you are, the Egyptians were going to have hell to pay. There's some kingdom people in the world that are about to figure out who they are. And guess what? The enemy is about to have hell to pay. Elbow somebody, so you're about to figure out who you are. Oh, I need you to speak that into another person and just encourage them, touch their shoulder where their strength is and say, you're about to figure out who you are. You're not a failure. You're not a mistake. You're not a loser. You're not dumb. You're not a failure. You're not an accident. You are a king and a priest. You are the righteousness of God. You are a son and daughter of the Most High. So Pharaoh says, this new Pharaoh it's a coup. He overthrows the government. This new Pharaoh comes in. When this new Pharaoh comes in, this is how he begins to treat them. For 430 years, this goes on, which means it outlasts that one Pharaoh because that one Pharaoh creates a system. 
God, if I had time, I'd spend time there. That one Pharaoh creates a system that was designed to oppress them even when they weren't in their custody. So that even when they walked out of Egypt, Egypt was so much in the dam, they yearned to go back to the bonds that they were pulled out of. I'm so, God that, I'm so glad that God got you out of your Egyptian situation. I'm so glad, watch me, not only did he get you out, but what has he been doing? He's been getting the Egypt out of you. Because there's parts of you that want to go back to who you used to be. But he has rescued your life. Let's go. So Moses is God's choice. Say, say, say this. Say, I'm his choice. You, listen, you literally have been handpicked by God. How do I know that? Because if, if you're connected to me, I know my assignment. I, I know I've been called. I know he picked me. Watch me. Which means if you're connected to me, that tells me something about you. Come on, come on, lay your hand on yourself. Say, I've been handpicked by God. Now, you need to know that because when you're handpicked by God, that means you don't get to live like everybody else. You don't get to do things like everybody else. And so Moses, he brings them out. And we, I've been teaching this over the last few weeks. He brings them out 430 years on the night of the Passover. And in one moment, they go from being slaves to free. And one moment, they go from having their lives dictated to them to being able to dictate their own lives because freedom requires greater restraint than bondage. See, when you're caught up in some crazy life and some crazy stuff, that tells you what to do. But when you get free from that, now you have to replace that with something constructive to do. Freedom requires greater restraint. And so they come out. And as they are coming out, open your mouth, say, they came out! And as they are coming out, they begin to demonstrate their personality because for many of them they took on the spirit of the hard labor they were under be careful that you do not take on the spirit of a miserable moment and you become miserable to deal with so what happens? The Israelites began to complain about food. They're, they're, they've exited Egypt. They are on their way to a place called Promise, and they begin to complain about food. Now, here's, my, here's what's interesting. When all of us look at these stories, it's easy for us to get real judgmental real fast because all of us will begin to say, how are they going to do God like that? Question, how are you going to do God like that? Did he not show you last year? Hold on, let's go here. How is it millions lost their lives over the last two years? but you prospered in the midst of a pandemic. How is it that other people get the same virus you got and it took them out, but watch me, but you survived. You owe him at least five seconds of crazy praise. Why? He's been good to you, five. I said crazy praise, four, three. You owe him. That car accident didn't kill you, you owe him. That divorce didn't kill you. You owe him. Somebody say, I owe him glory. Let's move on. Watch me. The children of Israel watched God part the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land. Their sandals didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Watch me. They, they saw these amazing things happen. And then when they, a word about food, they start to complain. I want you to look at this verse. When they complain, God sends them bread from heaven. But look at the verse. I want you to see something. Exodus 16, 20. But they did not listen to Moses. So some left part of it to the morning. The Lord sends what's called manna. Manna is referred to as angel food. Literally, the Lord would send bread from the heavens. And every morning they'd wake up, the grass would be covered with, with bread. Okay, okay. Let me, let me make this practical for you. Every morning when you wake up, you get, watch me, new mercy. What is mercy? When he blocks the negative that I do deserve. Every morning when you wake up, the grass is covered, watch me, with grace. What is grace? It is the good stuff that I do not deserve. Watch me. And the Bible says that they were only supposed to get enough for the day. But some of them didn't listen to Moses. Watch me. And, and, watch me. And some left part of it. And it bred worms and it stank. And Moses was angry with them now I want you to pay attention to this we're almost done you ready you ready say he was angry with them I need you to listen very carefully I need you to listen very carefully he knew they didn't listen watch me but he got angry with them for doing what he already knew 
How many of y'all are mad at people? You know they are lying. Why are you mad that they're lying? You know they're inconsistent. Why are you mad they're not there? You know they lie. Wow, because they're talking. I could give you several examples. I'm just going to give you these. Here's the second example. Second example. The Israelites, so they complain about food. They complain about bread. He gives them bread from heaven. Then they complain about water. We don't have nothing to drink. We don't have nothing to drink. Now, now you saw him send bread from the sky, which is a very practical thing. Because if you grew up in the South, you'd see things like dew in the morning. It's a very practical thing. So now they're, now, they're, now they're thirsty. And I understand they're thirsty. They got their kids out there. In Egypt, they knew where their water was coming from. They had to go through hell to get it, but they knew where it was coming from. They had to go through, uh, 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 watch me, being demoralized to get it, but they knew where it was coming from. Isn't it crazy that sometimes you can be comfortable with something that's crushing you, but at least you're comfortable with it because you know what to expect from it. They complain about water. So God gives them water from a rock. Y'all talk to me. What does he give them? Numbers 20 and 8. Now watch what God tells Moses. Tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. And I want you to look at what Moses does. Here now, you rebels. He knew what they were, but he expected them to act differently. Some of your frustration is because you have a misplaced expectation on people. Sometimes you need to know what they are and you need to make your expectation commensurate to what you know they are. Why? Because if you keep expecting too much, you're going to be mad all the time. And sometimes you don't have time to be mad. You got to keep it moving. Now, now, the Lord said, go back to the previous verse. He said, tell the rock before their eyes. Did the Lord say, say anything to them? Did the Lord say, say anything to them? Let me teach you a principle. You spend too much of your time talking to who ain't going to do different. In the he said, talk to the rock because that's where the miracle's coming from. Don't spend your time talking to these people, Moses. But look at the next verse. What does Moses do? Here now, you rebels. <laughs> you ready? Verse 11. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff, watch me, twice. Two is the biblical number of witness. But what if what you're about to witness is the destruction of your sequel? He says that Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock with his staff twice. That's not the instruction, Moses. What did God tell him to do? Talk to the rock. What did Moses do? He's so angry, he takes his staff and he strikes the rock twice. Why would he do that? Because the Bible says that they quarreled with him. Quarrel means heated disagreements. Everybody look at me. Whenever the enemy is trying to get you to mishandle a miserable moment, you're going to begin to have quarrels with people. It's so quiet in this building. How do you know you're in the midst of a sequel? Because people are trying to make you. People are doing things and you're like, you know what? Let me tell you something. I rebuke the spirit of quarreling. You don't have time to be caught up in cat bites in the parking lot. You don't have time to be caught up in little childish. Cat you. Uh-uh, uh-uh. We're about to break that in this building and online. You don't have time to be caught up in quarrels. I need you to open your mouth and say, I cancel every quarrel. Say it, 915, I cancel every quarrel. In Jesus' name. Put a praise behind that. Come on, we got to go. Look at me. But watch what happens. And water came out abundantly. Pay attention, 915. So it looked like it worked. You missed it. I'm, I'm going to see this as plain as I can. His disobedience looked like it got results. And for some of y'all, you're like, I stopped going to church and I didn't fall off and die. Not yet. I'm not going to say that. I stopped giving and, and my finances are still doing okay. But not yet. But watch me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. 
it looked like it worked. You will think disobedience worked. Bishop, I'm cheating on my spouse and everything fine. Bishop, I ain't worshiping, I ain't, I ain't doing none of that, and it seems like things are good. Matter of fact, seems like when I stopped doing right, things got right. For now. Because look what happens. They're satisfied. Why? They wanted something to drink. Which, which really shows you the depth of disdain that they had for Moses. Some of you overplay your hand in people's life because you see it as a relationship. They see it as a transaction. Because they only went to Moses when they needed something from him. You don't ever see them encouraging him. You don't ever see them building him up. You don't ever see them saying, Moses, I pray for you. You don't ever see them encouraging him. Only thing, can you do this for me, Moses? Can you do this for me, Moses? Can you do this for me, Moses? This is a transaction. This ain't no relationship. They're satisfied. But look at me. His sequel is ruined. Bishop Homer, what do you mean his sequel is, is, is ruined? Look, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at verse 12. This is the verse right here. His disobedience, please look at me, looked like it worked. And there's some of you watching me today, some of you in this building today, and you're like, well, to be honest, low key, it kind of looks like not doing right is working. I look at other people on social media, they not doing right, and it look like they working. Everything I want, they got for now. Why? It wouldn't be a fall unless they rose. See, on the flip side, let me encourage those of you where you've been faithful and you've been consistent. Your sequel's on schedule. But let me speak to those of us where sometimes, watch me, we think our disobedience works. Like God was clear. Speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He hit the rock twice. You ready? Look what God says to him in verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, you shall not. Everybody shout not. not. That was cute. I, you said it loud, but I said shout it. Everybody shout not. not. You shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. In other words, he said, Moses, you have been dealing with these people for 40 years. And you've been faithful. But what you did this time, you are not going into your sequel. Can we have a conversation for a moment? For 40 years, Moses is in Egypt learning how to be king, learning how to be a leader. For 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert raising sheep, learning how to deal with sheep because the role of a leader is that of a shepherd. You got to learn how to deal with sheep. Watch me. And for 40 years, he has now been leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage toward the promised land. And because of this mishandling of a miserable moment, God says, I love you, Moses, but here's the consequence. You ain't going in. And not just you, Moses, the entire regime, Moses and Aaron, neither one of y'all are going in. Somebody say, "Woo!" Look at verse 13. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled. It's a heated disagreement. So what was happening to Moses when he struck the rock? You learned it from what happened with the bread. He was angry. He was, can I go here 915? He was ticked off. Come on, can I push it? He was pissed off. I ain't the one for this. You ain't finna talk to me like that. You ain't finna, I'm not, and God said, your mishandling of this miserable moment means that while I still love you and I'm not going to take you out to see, I canceled your sequel. If you're listening to me right now, here's your good news. If he's giving you this word, that means he has not canceled your sequel. Because a father that loves his children, he corrects his children. Come on, come on, Amphitee. Can you give him glory? Watch me. That I just got proof I ain't been canceled. Why? Because he gave me an opportunity to correct him. And my next is going to be better than my previous. Come on, open up your mouth and say, my next will be better. So here we go. 
So let me give you one other example. We're done. The Israelites played because of delay. They played because of delay. And look at this. In Exodus 32 and 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, what is Moses up there doing? He's, he's getting the Ten Commandments. He's getting instructions. I could teach a leadership principle here. Leaders don't come down. Leaders have to stay up. If you've got people on your team that make you come down, you need to change them out. Well, who's going to do it? Then let nobody do it versus have somebody that's going to make you come down to do it. Every business owner, you don't have time to keep coming down dealing with. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they said, up. Who are they talking to? Aaron. Up. Make us gods who shall go before us. As for, look at me. As for this Moses. As for this Moses. This how you feel about him? Everybody look at me. You find out how people really feel about you when you're taking too long. Woo. You find out how people really feel about you when you don't move at their pace. You find out how they really feel about you when there's delay. Come on, we got to go. I got 11.15. Oh, my God. I got to go. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they said, up, make us God's choose to go before us. As for this Moses, we do not know what has become of him. Verse 6. And the people rose up to play. Now, this verse right here. I, I, I don't have time at this 9.15, but I will treat this at this 11.15. Because the Bible says that they rose up to play. These are grown people playing games. I need you to elbow somebody next to you and say, I don't have time to play. I, I got too much purpose in me to be playing your... That's too big of a call on me to be playing. This ain't no game. This thing is serious for me. This and the people rose up to play. Verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is. Look at me. I have seen this people. Look at what God calls them, it. God. I have seen this people. Why didn't he say they? Because they had a spirit which made them an it. God, I don't have time right now. See, sometimes you need to be able to look past the person and say, there's a spirit behind you. There's something behind you that's creating this opposition. And I need to not deal with, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but rulers of darkness and principle. I'm dealing with something spiritual here. I've seen this people, and it, oh God, is a stiff neck. What does that mean? They don't change. They are rigid, but they wrong. Verse 11, but Moses, look at this, implored the Lord his God and says, oh Lord, why does, look at what he says to God. Now we already seen him get angry. We already seen him strike the rock. Look at what he got the nerve to say to God. Why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Moses, really? Watch me. You are so short-sighted. Can I go here? And you like to call people a narcissist, but you're one. That's what the old saying says, it takes one to no one. You can call them so good because you're the captain. <laughs> Moses, you have the nerve to try to check God about his anger. Because what is wrath? Hot anger. When you have proven you can't control yours. Moses, you're projecting. You're putting on God what's really your issue. It's quiet in this building. I got to go. Oh, man, I got to go. Look at me, look at me, verse 14. Because the Lord tells Moses, in, in the verse that we didn't read, the Lord tells Moses, hey, Moses, <laughs> Mo, hey, Mo, hey, 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 Moshe is his Hebrew name. He says, hey, Mo, look, look here, look here. I'm going to start over. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to just start fresh. Let's start over with just you. But it will be better 
because now you know what to do. Look at me, look at me, look at me. But he was afraid, I'm going to help some of y'all, of having to start over. He was afraid of having to start fresh. He was afraid of having to be the only one. But Moses, you're the only one now. These people aren't with you. It's God, I ain't got time. Some of y'all, you're like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Let's tell the truth. They ain't really with you anyhow. I got to go. So Moses says, Lord, why are you so angry, God? Just so mad. Don't be mad. And I know God. I know the Lord because the Lord, the Lord is, is got a, a string of petty in him. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Because if you read how Jesus was, Jesus was very petty. He'd look at his disciples and he'd say things that were very petty. You know, they'd be fighting. Who's going to be the greatest? None of y'all. The one that's the servant will be the one. And by selling the one that's the servant, I'm telling you, it's neither one of you. Peter said, Lord, I'll never leave you. He, <laughs> Pete, you full of it. You're going to deny me before the day is over three times. And the rooster going, and you're going. Look at the verse. And the Lord relented of the disaster which he has spoken of bringing on his people. The Lord says, I'm not going to do it, Moses. I was just going to wipe them out and start fresh. I was going to give you an opportunity to have a sequel. But watch me. You chose them. Jesus, instead of your sequel. So that's fine. That's fine. Okay. I ain't going to do it. Y'all ready? I said, are you ready? We're about to go. Uh, look at verse 16. So while he's up there, he gets these, these 10 commandments. And the Bible says, look at the verse, that the writing was of God engraved on the tablets. Somebody say, God did these. Come on, 915. We're almost done. Say, God did these. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Say the first set. So the first time God says, this one's on me, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to make it happen this time. I'm, I'm going to take care of this for you, Moses. All you have to do is be in the right place at the right time, and I'm going to make it happen for you. You're not going to have to write it. You're not going to have to cut them out. I've got this for you. I, I've got this for you, Moses. You've been faithful dealing with unfaithful people, but I got you, Moses. I got you. I'm not... Given up on you, I've got you. I, I, this is me that's going to do this. But I want you to see what happens in verse 19. Because Moses starts walking down the mountain. And as he walks down the mountain, these are too big. But here, you come get them. Here, you come on, come on. Y'all going to be together, y'all going to be Moses. These are huge Ten Commandments. And if you watch the old school Ten Commandments movie, you, you know the scene. Moses walks down the mountain. And who's down there? Joshua, his servant, his assistant is down there. Hold him up straight. Watch me. Watch me. Pay attention. And when he goes down, as Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Now, wait a minute. Moses is working hard, and these people are partying. The Bible says they are playing. Moses has been spending time with God, and when he comes back, the people ain't praying, they ain't worshiping, they're not in a posture to receive. They're down there dancing, sexing, drugging, drinking, doing everything crazy that they could possibly do. They are living, the Bible says, lasciviousness. It's old King James word. You ready? And when Moses saw that, his anger burned hot. How hot was it? Real hot. Oh, I need you to look at me. Moses, you've not handled your anger properly. You mishandled it with the manna. You mishandled it with the water. That messed up your sequel. And now, God's work. Come on. God's work. Look at what he does. You threw the tablets out of your hand. Don't y'all throw my tablets. 
You threw the tablets out of your hands. Watch me. And you broke them at the foot of the mountain. I need you to look at me. What God built, you destroyed because you mad. What God did for you, you tore it up because you mad right now. What God made happen for you, you tore it up because you mad right now. Is there anybody in the building or online where you can tell the truth that in some of your anger, you tossed some stuff up. You said some stuff you shouldn't have said. Some of y'all lying. You better put your hand up. You said what you shouldn't have said. You text what you shouldn't have texted. You email what you shouldn't have emailed. You did what you should not have done. You tore up God's work. Somebody say the second set. Look at Exodus 34 and 1. God says, you tore up what I built. You tore up what I did because you mishandled your anger. We got to go 915. You ready? Look at what God says for this second set. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself. This time, you're going to have to do it. This time, first time, you know why they look so good? Because I cut them. You know why, you know why it worked so well? Because I did it. He says, this time, you do it. Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. So Moses has to go up there, get a chisel. When he gets tired, can I get Joshua to do it? Nope, do it by yourself. Nobody gets to help you because you need to learn how to control your attitude and your anger. He's cutting. He's cutting. We don't know how long it takes him, but he's cutting. And watch what the Bible says. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first one, the ones that you broke. He says, you ruined your sequel because you mishandled miserable moments and you turned them into monuments because you didn't deal with your anger. 915, I'm out of time. I need everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, for those that need to come to you and give their lives to you, thank you. For those that need to come to you and give their lives to you, I pray that they would respond in this moment. For those that are used to serve you, used to be faithful, but they need to recommit themselves, I pray that today... They would recognize if they're hearing this word that there's a sequel in store for them. And third, for those that are, are not sure in this building and online, I pray that they would be sure today. One, if that's you, your hand's going to go up when I count to three in this building online. You're going to do the hand wave emoji. Just say it's me. No judgment, no condemnation. This is your moment. If you're hearing this, it's because God's not giving up on you. If God's not giving up on you, God's not giving up on you. One, two, three. If that's you, respond wherever you're at in this building and online. Online, do the hand wave emoji or say it's me. On TikTok, you respond. In Clubhouse, you respond in the comments. Everybody, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you that if I heard this word, I still have a sequel. It's not over for me. Give me the grace to handle my miserable moments the right way. I will not mishandle my anger in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, text the word decision to 877-552-4746 or scan that QR code. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what bless is you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. 
Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.